Welcome to the Minimalist CEO Podcast with Nate Lindquist. Nate created the Minimalist CEO Method to help business owners redefine and grow their businesses by finding new demand in places they never thought to look where there's no competition. By following his opposite thinking strategy, Nate's coaching clients have grown their business up to 40% in just two months and created tens of millions of dollars in revenue. Nate himself has launched more than 140 businesses. On the show, Nate interviews successful business owners and experts who share the secrets you can use to have a better business and a better life. Hi, everyone. This is Nate Lindquist, and welcome to the Minimalist CEO Podcast. Welcome back to another episode, and I'm excited that you're here. What's also great is our guest, and I know I say that every time, but every time I mean it. This time, specifically, we're talking about a leader for women-owned businesses, and you're going to hear more from her, what she's done in that space. So she's a a mentor, a teacher, but also on top of that, she has a minority-owned business, and um, actually two of them. She gives a bunch of her time to the community, and uh, so people call her for advice all the time. She owns two service masters that were started during this whole this whole recession that we've been dealing with, which is awesome. It's a great time to start a business if you can find a way to make it win. So without further ado, welcome. I'm gonna say your name because it's like a celebrity name. Diana Rodriguez Zaba. Do people normally say it that way? Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Nate. Thank you for having me. Yeah, good to have you here. Did I overdo it on the name? No. Okay. That's how everyone says it. (laughs) Wow, you walk in a room, Diana Rodriguez Zaba. Zaba, I didn't finish. I was jumped. I jumped myself. I jumped the gun on that. So I'm excited to have you here. Uh, we had a great little chat to begin with. I've uh, I stalked some of your information online to get a sense of more of what you've done. And you're you're prolific. I mean, I'm seeing like you know some features in Forbes magazine. I went down the list. I could go down the list of all the magazines that you've been in. And it's like where it's not where are you? It's where aren't you? So. Yeah, tell us about yourself and tell us about like what you're doing in business and how you got into business. And we got a lot of business owner, entrepreneur listeners. So tell us about yourself. What are you up to? Okay, well, um, I own a service master franchise and we're one of the third largest franchises in Illinois. We have a pretty large footprint. Um, I actually started the company with my husband in 2008 with the, when the very first recession hit. Uh, we really didn't have a choice. We were both going to be unemployed and it's either we collect unemployment or we start a company. And that was perfect timing for us. Um, not when, you know, banks are not loaning anyone, any funds or anything. So it was really hard to start a company. So um, we did it anyway. And then I had a lot of franchising experience. So right away I said, we need to back it up with a brand name, especially during this Um, that's really the only way to take things to the next level. So we were able to purchase a license and we franchised. So since uh, we've been operating since 2008, and when I started um, getting diving more into the business, I realized that there weren't too many women, you know, that you, you couldn't like find them online doing this kind of industry work, you know, it was all like cleaning jobs or you know. just real quick as I don't and I not to cut in too much I just want to make sure for our listeners so you're in the restoration oh. space right water restoration mm-hmm. damage restoration storm and even biohazard uh restoration so 
Um, do you want to just real quickly illustrate, we actually have some listeners who are in that space, but for those who aren't, could you just illustrate a little bit about what that business is, what it's like, what, you know, what you're doing in that business so people have a better idea? Sure. So um, our core service is disaster restoration. So anything with water damage in the residential and commercial space. And we've also, when it comes to water, we, we travel um, across the country and we work with, um, you know, we deal with like hurricane disasters. So that's one of our core service as well as like fire restoration. So um, it's either fire damage or smoke damage. Um, we do mold remediation as well and um, biohazard cleanup. And our specialty cleaning service division does the carpet and upholstery cleaning, but we've also gotten into, because we are certified with a lot of services we do, uh, we've been doing a lot of COVID cleanings um, as of March. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's that's what we do. And we, you know, we have accounts in the downtown area and in the suburban area and the um, high rises. So just we do a lot of preventative meetings with the property managers um, and just get them ready in case of disaster strikes. So wow, you covered a lot of different points there. And it's interesting. Uh, one point that we can look at is that uh, COVID definitely has created industries and opportunities. It's been, you know, not to ignore the, the tragic loss of life, people who have gotten sick, interruptions of business, so many businesses closing, all the bad things that are happening. And in that there, you know, in any business on the other side of any good business, there's also problems. And you know, uh, if I were to bring those two things together. So you've been able to be there and care and help with bringing businesses and, and business locations back to life during the COVID problem. Yes. You know, and, and that's been, a, it's been a really great thing, you know, and when it first started, it was, you know, we had a lot of things to take into consideration, you know, the safety of the employee cost of PPE, which more than tripled and you know the EP PPE. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Personal protective gear, um, masks, gloves, okay. um, goggles, all of that. You know, just tripled in price. And then just trying to keep up with the EPA and everything that they were saying. Um, How do people find time. you? I mean, you got the you got COVID going on. I, mm -hmm. I don't know if for most people in a business, if they're having like maybe an outbreak. I think you mentioned uh, mm -hmm. when we talked earlier. There's outbreaks and things like that. And how do they find you? How do these business owners, you know, what makes them think, I have to call Diana's company Service Master. What makes them go to you and, and have you in their mind at all? First of all, about COVID, but maybe, maybe even in general, what makes you get picked? Well, we, we have a really, really great website. And okay. we do a lot, of, um, a lot of blogs, too, which is how people find us with you know, I love to write. And so we write about every subject. When I have a customer call me about something, I'm, you know, I'm like, okay, this is a pattern, writing a blog about it. But one of the things that we do specialize are in outbreak cleanings. So we've been doing, we've been doing those already um, for several years now. So, you know, if you're searching up uh, pandemic cleaning, outbreak cleaning, or just general cleaning, um, you know, you're going to find me. And then because we do have accounts uh, with a lot of buildings downtown, um, we just started calling them like, hey, remember, we do offer these services if you need us. And um, they have been a great resource, too. So we've been um, we, we were just reaching out to people. We were reaching out to schools. So we did a lot of reaching out as well on our end and just kind of stayed in people's radar. Like, don't forget, this is what we do. 
which when we were doing a lot of the cleanings downtown, it came in very handy during the, uh, the riots and the vandalism. I took my construction unit and we started doing board ups. And then my cleaning division started cleaning up, you know, whatever glass and, you know, graffiti. So we were able to. Who called you for that? Did the, did the business owners reach out to you and say, hey, our place just got trashed? Or did you go down there, hand out flyers, knock on doors, talk to people and say, listen, we can help board this up. I mean, how did you get those people connected to doing repairs and even just boarding things up or cleaning up or graffiti? Yeah, they, they actually called us, um, you know, they found us online. Um, again, we are part of the Magnificent Mile Association. And so they have our information. And it's interesting because once you get there and you're helping one business, the other business owners come out and they're like, hey, can you do me next? Or let me get your business card. Wow. So that's how we got a lot of the work. So you're in a business that uh, I would say if you look at the general end user, and I think in most cases, they're not, you're not going to run advertising or marketing and say, hey, we worked with you before when your house burned down or when you had a big mm-hmm. burnout fire. Make sure you use us again. So I know it's a tricky industry to you're probably unlikely you're going to get repeat, repeat business from the end user. So how do you approach your marketing? So you are able to get repeat exposure, repeat calls and grow the business with your marketing. So it's actually at at first, that's what we were thinking. Like they're not going to want to see us again after like we've torn their place apart. Um, But one of the things that, because we have a specialty cleaning division, you know, what we do is we're like, okay, you know, we're done. You know, their construction is completed. We've done everything from A to Z. So we'll tell them like, just so that you know, we also offer these additional services and can we follow up with you? Area rug cleaning, carpet cleaning, especially if they have pets or children, you know, they, so they'll tell you, yes, yes, please follow up with me. And Wait a minute. Me. So you clean kids too? Kids? No. You don't clean? No. Oh, I was going to ask for your card. Okay. I, we no, said no. rugs, yeah. carpet, and kids. And I thought if you do kid cleaning, I now I understand. You know, we, we, we do, them. yeah, area rugs. <laughs> It's upholstery. Um, so it's, you know, they have that everywhere. And you can see how a person lives and like, wow, they really take care of their area rugs or they love their carpets, you know, because of the kids. And they have many of them and they're very messy, as well as, you know, duckwork cleaning. So we keep them in a database where we follow up with them twice a year. So we're already in, in the back of their head. And so if anything happens, they think about us. So that's one of the marketing strategies that we use. And, it, you know, it is time consuming, but you have to put a system in place for that. So we're, we do get repeated business, which has been a really good thing. And well, having the other services, the mm-hmm. regular on rotation home, you do home cleaning, like you come in and clean the kitchen baseboards, floors, carpets, windows, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's more, we do more like of a, a deep cleaning as opposed to like what maids do. So we'll do like a real deep, like, you know, trim baseboards light fixtures inside and outside the appliances you know we'll get down to the nitty-gritty when i you know when they need that so yeah that's more like a deep cleaning that people like to do at least like once or twice a year how do you pick how do you pinpoint and actually get that message out to people in general like how do you get your marketing message out i know you said you're you're using some keyword search. So it sounds like your, mm-hmm. your website, are you probably doing SEO, right? Some keyword SEO. Yes. And yeah. are you investing in that pretty regularly to keep the keywords updated with whatever the trends are? 
Yes, my website is just as expensive as a salesperson. Um, so we're we're constantly, you know, researching how our customers are finding us. What are they researching to find us? And then we also have um, just a regular notebook that we keep at the front desk when someone calls. So we keep track of what kind of calls are we getting during this? What is it that people are interested in? And um, so based off of that research that we put together, we start you know, putting a lot of content out there, blogging a lot, um, updating our website. So it, it's interesting because right now we have a lot of high rises and our most common phone call is the unit above Hedley. And mm -hmm. I blog out and the amount of phone calls that we got from that blog was crazy. So, I mean, I'm pretty busy, you know, just doing water damage in condos, um, which is good because we get a foot in the door. Then we talk to the property manager and say, hey, your common area rugs need to get cleaned. Um, so we're always looking for an opportunity to upsell. Because you do commercial and residential cleaning services as well. Correct. So anyone who has a condo, who has an apartment, has residential property as well, could just say, hey, can you come in and clean our place? And then the commercial, they like, hey, handle the front carpets, handle the main, mm -hmm. you know, go in, and, go in and do a deep cleaning. Is that something you would do twice a month, once a week? It depends on the, on the contract that right now we have um, a couple churches that we go to we do it once a week. We have a few um, high rises and we clean them also once a week. And then we have a few like play centers where kids go like in, like in Skokie, the Exploratorium and We'll clean that quarterly. Um, so it all depends on usage. Right now it's a little different because of COVID and the restrictions and how often people are, you know, going in and out of these uh, facilities. But yeah, we do have contracts with a lot of these customers. So are you doing any, uh, any digital advertising or any digital marketing outside of the SEO and the blog content creation? We do um, because we're part of a lot of the chambers we advertise in their newsletters and the community newspapers. That's okay. been a great thing. The community newspapers, you know, everything actual print ads. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I've noticed that for, um, our type, like our consumers, you know, they're older, they're homeowners. Um, you know, they're looking for like emergency services or they're looking for carpet cleaning as opposed to like the younger generation. So, for us also, we're uh, doing Facebook works for us, but like Instagram and Twitter, we don't really get too many um, people that find us on those um, platforms. Um, that's more for, I, I don't know, I guess more like dancing or beauty or, you know, stuff like that. So you kind of have to figure out who your audience is and how they find you and what their interests are. But more in the suburbs, we've noticed that people like their, their uh, print, their printout. Interesting. So when you're running an ad on Facebook, as an example, or you do, and you're doing probably, I mean, I looked out on your Facebook page, I see some regular posts that look like they're going up and some of them are referring to articles and other things. So what would an, if you were running an ad, what would an ad look like in your space? It's, is it for the cleaning services and that's what gets the ball rolling? Yes. So we would, you know, advertise um, like, free deliveries on area rugs or a certain discount off of a minimum. Um, we also, for mold remediation, we'll, you know, we'll do ads for that, but we don't really advertise like fire and water discounts because that's not very appealing to people right now because nobody wants to have that kind of disaster. 
Well, you're talking about getting an ad to connect to them at a point of need right when their house is, it's like probably the least likely moment for them to be looking for your ad. But I can see how um, top of mind awareness is important and being in their, in their space for other things like prevention, mold remediation. And um, if you were to say someone who's in business right now and they really want to just get out there and start seeing lead flow, in the service space, what would you tell them to like, maybe if you gave them like your top three, go do this, this is what's made the difference for me. I would say first understand who is your audience? Who is your audience? How are they buying? You know, because it varies from industries. So um, once you know who your audience is, figure out how, how it is that they're buying. So, you know, are they finding you through Facebook? Sometimes just um, cold calling. Um, you know, like, where do you find their information? So it all depends on who you're targeting. Um, and really, it's just it's picking up the, call, the phone and, and calling people. Um, we're so disconnected right now. But like my, you know, because of COVID and everyone's doing social media, everyone likes to text or just email. Um, but my clients, they like an actual phone call. Um, you know, they, they want to talk to people. So that's what's worked for us. But I know for like other people that I've talked to, you know, they're like, oh, just send me a quick text message or a quick email staying in their face. You know, like here's a follow-up email, here's a follow-up text message. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then just finding out what their interests are. You know, it, it, it does take time work, time, it takes work and it's time consuming. Um, but that's really the only way to know who your audience is, mm-hmm. what their interests are, and how can you market to them. That's, that's really good advice. I think so in the minimalist CEO method, one of the, um, we have something called the seven new demand gold mines. So the idea of getting out into a blue ocean away from the competition, and that can be tricky in a service business where everyone thinks that what you do is the same as what everybody else does. So um, I would, I would be curious um, looking at those gold mines. One of them is points of differentiation. So how do you find a way to differentiate yourself and allow yourself to stand out in a specialized way so people don't think you're just like everyone else and they, they pick you. Yeah. You know what, that, that is, that's a little challenging because we are a franchise. So they associate us with every other franchise out there. And, you know, when we get on the phone, a lot of our sales actually is, you know, on the phone, right? You're going to call me when I, when you have an emergency. So, you know, we, we tell our, our customers, you know, they, they hear how we talk over the phone. So all of our employees are very well-trained and knowledgeable over the phone. And I can tell you what's happening in your house. If you tell me I had a sink overflow, I can tell you almost everything that's damaged and what it looks like. So right there, it's just being knowledgeable and being an expert, you know, makes them feel like, okay, this person knows what they're talking about. Well, you've done rehabbing, so you've seen mm-hmm. you've seen when disaster strikes. You know what it takes to put it back. You've been there yeah. when someone says water got over here, or I think there's mold, but I don't know where it's coming from. So you've seen it all. Yeah. And you're yeah, able we, to you're able to help illustrate that so people understand like that something has to be done about that. But how how are you able to like? It, what is it in your marketing strategy before they call you? that makes them say, hey, of, the, of all the different restoration and repair options around this neighborhood, I'm gonna call Diana's company. I'm gonna call Service Master Restoration by Zaba. Well, 
a lot of the things that we hear from our customers is, you know, we, we read your reviews. They're like, we like your reviews, which is, that's a great thing. Um, which we have more reviews, just people don't like to take the time out to write a good review. People like to take the time out to write a negative review. Um, but what makes us stand out is really um, just like it's our reviews. And the other thing, which is really interesting that we found now, is we get a lot of calls, um, you know, I saw the pictures on your website. So they like natural raw pictures because it makes us look more like a legitimate company as opposed to like a cookie cutter is the same company as, you know, their stock photos. We get a, um, a lot of people, you service my cousin, you service my aunt, you service my parents. They like So you. referrals. Do you have referrals. a referral program where you ask for referrals? Yes, we do. We ask for referrals. Um, we have a referral program. And um, another thing too that we've implemented and we talk to our clients about it, um, we don't really advertise it, but we do it once we're on site as I have an act of kindness policy and our customers really like that. So it's, you know, when our customer, when our employees are at the customer's house, they have to do something nice for them to just kind of seal the deal, like towards the end when we're done, you know, do something nice for them that makes them feel like, oh, you know, you really went out of your way to do something nice for me. And it could be anything as small as like, hey, you want any, you got any garbage you want me to throw out? I'll throw out your garbage. Do you need me to move anything around to make it easier for you to get around? Um, so they all, you know, based on our clients, you know, are they a senior? Are they a mom with a lot of kids? Like, um, so our act of kindness policy really helps us stand out and they talk about it, you know, and then, and that's how we're able to get more referrals. Mm. Do you actually publicize your act of kindness policy in your, in your marketing and on your website so people can read about it? I should, I haven't, but I should. It's more like an inside thing, you know, uh, one time, I, and I have to talk to some of my employees about it because one time I was calling one employee and I couldn't get a hold of him and he's like, I'm walking their dog. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good story. Yeah. I guess what's best about that is the, the customers are going to notice whether you publicize it or not and that's going to impact the reviews. So I think intentionally saying, hey, if you wouldn't mind have putting a review out, good, bad, or ugly, we just want people to know what it's like working with us. So yeah. Being intentional is important about that. So, okay. I want to go all the way back real quick. You said at the beginning of this, this interview, which I think is pretty telling, I had the choice to either accept unemployment, I think is what you said, right? Yes. Or, or open a business and you open two service masters. So yes. not only did you not go out and say, Hey, I'm just going to kind of do the poor me thing and sit back and wait for things to get better, which some people in the circumstances, like things are rough. So no criticism there. But from the recession, for you to, how do you make that decision and then go get a license for Service Master? There's an investment of time, energy, there's ramp up, there's getting the first customers, getting materials and buying your, you know, buying it or renting space. I mean, do you have a bunch of money put aside? How did you find a way to do that under such a difficult circumstance? Yeah. Um... You know, we talked about it. It was like, what are our skills? What do we like doing? You know, I've never been un unemployed and my parents really frown upon that. They're like, go get a job. I don't care what it is. So, you know, it was like, okay, we don't have enough, enough time. My husband's like, well, I got a van. We went to Home Depot. We bought equipment. And then I just created some flyers with the copy and paste skills that I have. And um, we just started, you know, we came up with a name and we legalize it. And back then, you know, I was 25. So, you know, we're risk takers. We're like, let's just do it. It's going to happen. And we didn't think that it was ever going to fail. Um, so we just 
started passing out flyers and it happened to have, we were doing it on, in a time where it was raining a lot. So it's like, oh, I just got your flyer and my house flooded today. And so we're like, oh, that's our first job. <laughs> we went and my husband had already, he was a union carpenter. So he had a little bit of knowledge too with restoration. And I was buying property at a very young age and rehabbing. So we had some knowledge. And then while we were doing that, we were also getting certified to be able to do this the right way. And then, you know, just, we started off with flyers and a little mini website. Um, back then Google wasn't so big and Facebook was barely coming up. We did a lot of advertising on yellow pages, mm -hmm. um, but we're like, okay, we've been doing this for three months and we're doing just enough to get by. Um, we couldn't get loans anywhere. So we were just using all of the resources that we had. Borrow from friends, drain your bank accounts. Everything goes into the business. Yeah. But well, were you a service master yet at that point? Or were no, you just, we weren't. You're like Diana and has hubby's we were restoration. We were Zab restoration. Okay. And then. Rodriguez. I guess. Rodriguez huh? Zaba. Rodriguez okay. Zaba. Yeah. So we're like, okay, <laughs> we need to um, get the name brand. I said, let's get the name brand behind us and then we can get some resources. And so we reached out to a couple different um, franchises and service master got back to us and they liked what they heard and were able to find us someone who was selling a license. Okay. And we took that name brand on and just, we just winged it. We, you know, tightened our belts and didn't spend and just kind of figured it out, worked out of our basement for a while. And then we had a friend who had a building and he's like, you can work off of my building, uh, which was great, but it didn't have any heat and it was in the middle of December. And so, I mean, we, it's funny because we didn't have anywhere to meet and the people from the corporate office were like, oh, we need to come and have a meeting. So we built a relationship with the Starbucks that was across the street. And they're like, oh, you could use this place whenever you want for meetings. Um, uh, isn't so it amazing how, yeah. when, when you commit to a path, in business mm -hmm. and you see that what I'm doing is helping people and you know and you believe in that and then you put out an offer to the world hey I have a helping system in your case it's restoration and they say okay please help me and then you do it how people seem to an opportunity seem to come out of the woodwork to mm -hmm. just have one more chance to help one more chance to maybe slightly improve the office situation or the, the warehouse space that you needed. One more chance to go speak or get exposure. One more chance to, people will start saying to you, you know, maybe for me, I remember looking back as I was building up my companies over the years. I remember at the beginning, I got fired because I asked a place that I was working if I could do some marketing work for them because they needed some marketing work done. And I said, I'd be happy to do it on the side. It had nothing to do with my core job. And I had, a, I had a contract project and they fired me. They said, you know, if you're going to do that work, you'll be doing that work for us for free, included in your regular job. And I said, that's not what I was talking about. And then I'm not going to do extra work in time for free. So they fired me. And I remember the feeling getting in the car and, leave, you know, because I took contract projects, I think, as most people do, as you're you know, trying to make it on your own, you kind of have to tie up loose ends. And I remember driving away really scared at that time early in the in the, the game and i started calling people who i thought i could help 
just who am I going to call? And I was like, oh, one of these. And uh, someone who's become my friend since then gave me a project to market his screen printing company. And the project, he agreed to a project phased uh, over three payments. He handed me a check for $12,000 before the sun went down on the day that I was fired. And I went from being a graphic design firm doing some contract projects to a full-on marketing agency. And it's like the rest was history. Looking back, it's like things just started to fall in place. So, and I, and I think about, you know, when you're in that place and you're out there working in your garage, in your basement, wherever you're working, freezing cold, and you're trying to make these ends meet. And you have so many disadvantages because you're getting into a new space, doing new kinds of work. Now, also, you're in the city, right? Or you're down in the city and you're a woman. You're Mm -hmm. a woman in an industry that's seen as an industry for men. What? Did you do what? How did you deal with the challenges? What maybe just say what they were first of being a woman in business that's essentially seen as a man's space in a tough city in the cold trying to get started. What did you deal with? How'd you deal with it? I think that'd be huge to hear. Yeah, that one that was a little tough because fortunately my husband's very like you take the lead, go ahead, be the face of the company. I'm gonna be out in the field. He's like, and that's that's all I want to do. I just want to be out in the field. So when we first started, I would pick up the phone and call restoration companies and say, hey, this is who I am. We're new. You know, I was calling to see maybe you can give me a little bit of guidance. And no one wanted to give me the time of day. Um, I, whenever I would make phone calls, I would, was hoping that maybe, you know, I can speak to a female business owner. Um, nothing. I researched. I'm like, are there any Latino-owned service master franchises in Chicago? Nothing. So then I was like, all right, forget this. I'm going to just build my own platform. So then um, after I learned a little bit more about the industry, I started um, just writing content, you know, like just putting it out there, like, you know, women in this male dominated field, you know, how to break barriers. I started hiring more women, giving them the opportunity to learn about the industry. But, you know, when I would make phone calls and the other individual at the end wouldn't give me the opportunity to speak, I would, I would just keep calling. And I said, listen, I've got a lot of energy and I, I cannot annoy you until you finally give me the time of day. And so then um, they've given. They're like, all right, fine, come and meet with me. Um, there are times where I would have to tell my husband, hey, get on the phone. They need to hear a man's voice because I'm not going getting anywhere with some of these people. But, yeah, you just don't give up, you know, just putting in more knowledge, you know, where, you know, men and women work very well together and we have great knowledge. Women are such multitaskers. We can do a hundred things at the same time. Men can't. Right. So use awareness, right. Isn't that, yeah. We Mm -hmm. look at uh, what's the, uh, boy, I can't think of her name right now. Great book, Queens code, whoever. Oh, Alison Armstrong talks about the, have you familiar with that? Alison Armstrong and the Queens code. Highly recommend it. Any relationship can benefit from it. There's some amazing insights there. There's also, um, she's got several books about relationships and healing scars and all those other things. But what she talks about is that men have, uh, they want to resolve things. It's one focus. It's I'm doing this. Nothing else is happening. You could crash your car into the side of the house where the office is where he's working. And he's going to be like, I thought I heard something seven hours ago. It was everything. And you could be in the, I mean, like, we just don't hear it. Mm-hmm. women see, hear everything that diffuse awareness, but that has to work. That can work to your advantage 
I would imagine it can also work as a disadvantage sometimes while you're trying to keep focused and make progress. So how did you, how as a woman did that work for you or against you? Well, we were able to get more things done, you know, so I, I, I have a, a lot of women that work for me in different capacities in management and out in the field. And so I spoke with my, you know, at first the, the texts were like, oh, she's a girl, she's weak, she can't help, you know, whatever, the nagging. And, um, but then when I explained to them the purpose of why we're blending and working together, um, then they started realizing like, oh, you know what, they're a good backup. And I forget a lot of stuff that they remind me to do before we leave the job. So they saved my butt. So it's worked in that sense. And then, you know, the girls that have, that I've been hiring that are just fortunately walking in the door, they're so good with technology. Um, So they're the ones fixing, let me fix your laptop or let me fix your app. It's not like working. Um, So we've been able to have that work for our office. Um, But as far as like the operations wise, you know, the girls are, are, they're just so good. And the guys that work with us just let them take, you know, take the lead. And so they're the ones talking to all the big guys saying like, Hey, this is what's going on. This is what we need the funds for. And it's just, it's worked out. So, you know, sometimes we do get a little um, frustrated with each other, but at the end of the day, it always works out. You know, we, we work really well as a team. Your active kindness policy has to work internally Mm -hmm. too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. They have to do something nice for each other. (laughs) So as we, as we, I know we're, we're over the half hour, but this has been such a great interview. And I look at just all that you've accomplished. I think about your ideal buyer of residential services. And, and I also think about the ideal buyer of uh, restoration, making the decision, getting the help. And I feel like maybe you'll be primary talking, talking to a woman. Is that right? When there's, a, um, there's an issue that comes up, is, there, is the majority a woman making the decision for the cleaning services, at least residentially? Residentially, yes, it is. What about restoration? For restoration, you know, it, it depends. Mm-hmm. Interesting because a lot of the um, women at home, you know, let's just say you're married and you have like water damage. She's the one picking up the phone and calling like, I have a sink overflow. I'm telling my husband and he's telling, you know, he's like not hurrying up. Like, what do I do? And so then I can explain to them what needs to take place. But a lot of times it's women making those phone calls, which is so interesting. I we, we have a lot of women clients. We explain to them what needs to get done. They sign the paperwork. They say, okay. And, you know, so it, it's really been a variety of, variety of things. Um, but as far as like residential cleanings, yeah, we do talk more to, um, to women because, you know, they have like their kids and their pets and they're like, I just need a deep cleaning. But usually in the household, it's women who take charge who take control. And I think the husbands are like, no, you do it. You schedule it. You figure it out. So we deal with a lot of, (laughs) yeah, you know, it just, that's just how it is. So um, we're used to dealing with them now, as far as I can't, I can't play this episode for my wife now, because you're going to get in trouble. (laughs) Oh, you're at work again. (laughs) No, we're good. We're good. But no, I I think you're right. I think there's definitely a holding down the fort and seeing all the things that need to happen for a woman in the household. And, you know, for me, it's like, okay, I've walked by that enough times, I guess I better do something about it. But chances are two days before there was a plan to get that taken care of by my wife and someone's already coming to do it. She's like, oh no, don't bother now. Someone's coming for that. Yeah, we get that a lot. We get like, well, my husband said he was gonna take care of it, but it's just been sitting there and now we have mold. So <laughs> I'm gonna 
know it. So we're like, okay, that's fine. We'll take care of it. But in the commercial space, we do deal with more men, um, more in the management side. Uh, it, it varies. So I want to say it's maybe more like a 60, 40, 60% men. Um, have you been able to use that to your advantage and having a, a team with, it sounds like you have a number of women on your frontline team. Have you been able, have you found strengths in communicating even with the, like pro- property managers, commercial property owners, stuff like that, investors? Have you found that there's strengths in that women talking to men versus men talking to men? Sometimes when we have someone who's really complicated or we know this is not going to give us the time of day, then we'll, we have to bring in one of our uh, general managers who's a man. Um, they tell them the exact same thing we told them, but for some reason it sounds better when they say it. Our girls have a different approach. They're like, I know everything they're going to ask me, so I'm going to answer it before they ask. And then they're like, oh, okay, you kind of know. So there's some, there's a lot of easygoing people and they're like, hey, I understand, you know, present it, send it. So there's, you know, it's a hit or miss. So you need to have that kind of diversity where, you know, this person can handle it or that person can handle it. So it's a good mixture of things. And you have a good sized uh, group of people in operations, so you have those resources. I'd be curious, um, thinking about advice to entrepreneurs specifically, um, I think one of the places I see blue collar entrepreneurs in the blue collar space, you still have to have the white collar to run the business, but um, one of the challenges seems to be delegation and at what point to increase the production capability, at which point to make the investment in a new person, taking the time to get them trained, so what would be the most important, like how, what I should, let me even back up. What's the system and the thought process that you would tell a small business owner, maybe who's breaking into your space or in the construction space or something like that, to make sure that they're not trying to do everything themselves? What's the formula to get that extra help? Well, any business isn't a one-man show. And that's what I tell people. Because I have been there where I was the marketer, the secretary, the everything, and you get burnt out and you get nowhere. And it's really difficult if you ever want to scale your business to do it all yourself. So you need a team and you have to learn to trust people. And that's really hard because I myself sometimes find, you know, I get caught in that scenario where I'm like, this person, I don't know if they're capable of it. So training definitely is key. But you have to have, you have to build your team and explain to, you know, tell them what is the vision? Where are we going? You know, and how are we going to scale? We're not, we we can't scale the business without employees and without the employees that share our vision. Um, So it's, it's providing them also with the resources to scale in those areas. But, um, you know, definitely bringing people on board, talking to them, explaining to them where you want to get at, what are their skill sets? Because if they don't have a skill set, it's hard to teach them something. You're not going to hire this person to do marketing, but they don't know how to do marketing because now you have to teach them everything. So it's hiring people that have somewhat of a knowledge and then them acclimating into your, your culture. So you hire the, someone who's got the skills, but then you train them on your vision and culture, how to integrate with your team, as opposed to saying, oh, I'm going to try to train them on the skill and because I would imagine just the, the time suck of trying to, I mean, you're busy already. Uh, mm-hmm. Any small business owner is too busy already to make the time to train. You don't want to be training someone on like technical skill. Yeah. And like when I'm hiring for like management or, you know, certain uh, positions in the office, I do look for some skill already acquired. Like, have you done some of this in the past? 
because it's easier for them to learn. Now, if I'm looking for texts out in the field, then you know you, it's not something that you need to already know how to do. We'll train you out in the field. It's a lot easier to do that kind of work. Um, but it, when it comes to management um, or you know our key staff, I always look for someone that already has some type of skill. Before I used to say, I'll train you. I don't care. I like your personality. You show up on time. But it wasn't always working because they were understanding it. And when they have a skill, it helps, you know, move the training process along a lot faster. And then that way you'll know it's going to work or it's not going to work. <clears throat> that makes a lot of sense. And I, one of the things that we also teach in the minimalist CEO method is hire superstars only. Mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean you can't have an intern program. It doesn't mean you can't have a training program for some junior members. But when it comes to the core pieces, business development, uh, technical delivery and execution of that requires some skill there, um, management. What we tell people is find someone who you can pay very well, who has the experience, and in many cases can do some aspect of the business business even better than the owner or owner, you know, better than you. Because there's, I think there's a tendency to say, let me see what I can get for a deal. Hopefully they can get by. And you see that sort of as the cost benefit battle. But what I found, and maybe, I don't know if you found this too, you get a world-class person in there who's excited about the vision and all of a sudden the resources are there to justify the investment in that person. Have you found that? Yes. And it makes things so much easier for you because once they have that skill, you know, there isn't, they just report to you and you're like, it's great, you know, and you, a little bit of input, but they take care of that. You know, you delegate the whole task to them and then you're just there to provide, you know, just whatever it is that they need, whatever resources they need, but you don't have to take the time out of your day to train them. Those things a lot easier for you to focus on other things in the business. Yeah, that's huge. It's cool that you see that too and that you commit to that. So the last question before we go, because we're going to wrap up here shortly, and um, you've offered so much of a boots on the ground view of what you've done to make the business go. You're involved in helping give back to your community. So could you, could you just tell us, tell the audience how that started? and why that's important to you, maybe what you're working on right now? Well, I've been really fortunate to have mentors in my life that have helped me um, just be where I'm at today. I've always had somebody, you know, just showing me how to do things better, how to be a better person, a better listener, a just better entrepreneur and leadership. So that's one of the things that I've always wanted to provide. Um, so currently I'm one of the founders at Entrepreneur Institute at the DePaul University. So we um, bring women-owned businesses. They're probably a little bit past their startup stage, and we just we mentor them and we teach them about financing, marketing, sales, especially right now, like how to get through a pandemic and continue, you know, having sustainability in your business. So um, that's one of the things that I'm part of, and I love it. And then um, I also do something with Step Up Chicago, which is mentoring high school students. Oh, wonderful. Um, just helping them, you know, go to college, pick a major, and how to give back to the community. And we're actually right now purchasing, uh, well, we already purchased this a 30,000 square foot facility, and we are putting a training room in there. So we're hoping to be able to reach out to community colleges and um, bring in some type of training to help with, you know, to show men and women, you know, like the students, how to do um, disaster restoration. Uh, you know, you, you're seeing 
less and less of people who want to do labor work and more people who want to like work from home or start a company that they can just operate off their phone. So labor work, you're starting to see less of that. So we want to uh, revive it and say like, hey, you know what, this is actually, you know, really good work. It's fun. You learn a lot, you skills that you're going to need forever and bringing women into it because we also have our construction division and there's like the design aspect. So we just, we're still trying to put that together, but it's, it's bringing that awareness to the younger generation. You know, I started this when I was 25. So I, you know, I'm like, if this, this was appealing to me, I'm sure it's appealing to, you know, the other people um, in my, in that age group. And so we just want to bring more awareness and then, you know, who knows, maybe hire some uh, interns from there and, you know, figure out how to get some college credits. So that's one thing that we're, um, that's that we're working on right now and try to sell it to try to sell our idea to these uh, colleges and hopefully um, just keep putting more of a footprint out in the community and helping just grow, grow the brand awareness too. That's amazing. Amazing that you're working directly with kids. I also uh, just hearing you talk about the shift where, I mean, it's because of Zoom, a lot of people going to work from home, there's been this perception of, well, I need to, you know, I need to be productive. And if I can't go into the place where I'm supposed to work, you're, you're listening to auto workers having to go home. You're listening to people, you know, people who do repair work have to go home. People in construction have to go home. It's like, well, what am I going to do? I have to find a way to make a business, but there do have to be the workers who mm-hmm. are enthusiastic about being in the trades. And we've seen contractors and people in construction, you know, the trade schools, they're, they're dropping in enrollment. So it's important work that you're doing in that space. Um, the thing that we've noticed too is building up our intern program at Interspire and the Minimal CEO has been a great way to create education programs like what you're doing. So without going into too much detail, you know, I think if you were to take the approach of making an internship program, we worked with a bunch of universities and they'd just, they'd sit down with us, they'd come out, we'd lay out, you know, we'd lay out what we were doing for training and what, what pro- kinds of projects they were working on. And they, we just had a constant flow. Hey, can you take two more? Hey, can you take three more? Hey, can, and they were always students in the seats. So it's a great path to take, especially when you take it from the internship perspective, mm-hmm. you get the, the students who are most excited to learn from the process, especially if they can get their hands dirty and go out into a project. And yeah. um, so I think that would be really helpful. And I think that what you're doing and the way that you're doing it and the way that you're giving back is such a positive message. So I, I'm super grateful, uh, Diana, for you being on the podcast. And if, if at this point, as we wrap up, I'd just like to know if, if our listeners wanted to go learn more about you and connect with you, uh, your story and what you've done from a very difficult time uh, during the recession is uh, is inspiring and I'm sure very inspiring not only to women but also to to men but uh, how would how would listeners reach out to you if they wanted to do that to to hear from you or to ask you questions well you can always reach out to me on LinkedIn I'm pretty active on there so you can it's Diana Rodriguez Zaba um, and then you can also just call me um, call me at the office I'm always here uh, you know, my Uh-oh. website is servicemasterbyzaba.com. <laughs> um, yeah, and I'm, I'm always here. And so, um, yeah, I would... I, just give everyone your cell phone. That's no problem. No, no. Sure. <laughs> we'll put your information in the show notes. Uh-huh. Okay. And I don't want you to feel like you have to list out all the websites, but if you have a website, they can, mm-hmm. you can put, uh, perhaps, is there a general email that they can use? And then subject line, hey, I'd love to talk to Diana. Is that something they could do? 
Yeah, there's a contact us page and okay. my assistant gets it. And actually, if people want to find me, they always <laughs> fill that out. So she's like, this person wants to talk to you. Let me put it on your scout on your calendar. So she Perfect. so she that yeah, people always find me there. That's solid. All right, cool. We'll put everything else in the show notes. We will not put your cell phone in there. Okay, yeah, and uh, Diana Rodriguez Zaba, this has been a wonderful interview. Uh, I'm inspired as well by what you're doing and what you've done. And uh, I definitely hope to stay in touch. And I want to hear more about how things are going with your business. And uh, thanks for being on the Minimal CEO podcast. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. This was great. Thank you so much. Absolutely. This is Nate Lindquist with the Minimal CEO Podcast. Thanks again for listening. Again, check out those show notes. See what Diana is up to with her business. She, again, is president of Service Master Restoration by Zaba. And um, very inspiring, very inspiring interview. So uh, take a note of it. If you're looking to start a business, go get some advice from her. And we will be back in the next episode. Thanks for joining us.